Hello and welcome to the 2020 F1 Strategy Report, powered by Apex Race Manager, the mobile race management simulator. My name's Michael Amanato, and this is Round 8, the Italian Grand Prix. If you predicted that result, you're probably the only person happier than Pierre Gasly right now, who won his maiden Grand Prix in a Monza thriller. What should have been an unfortunate strategy call in the first half of the race accidentally put the Frenchman in a winning position, which he grabbed with both hands from Carlos Sainz and Lance Stroll. And weirdly, Ferrari, despite having a shocking home Grand Prix, managed to play a key role in strategy events that decided this race. To debrief the race that so many drivers couldn't win, I'm joined by friend of the program, Motorbox.com F1 reporter Luca Manacorda. Luca, how are you doing? Hey Michael, ciao. Hi everybody from Italy. I don't think when we were talking last week setting up this podcast that any of us predicted this race because this was something we haven't seen, I think, in in years, a result like this. Yeah, yeah. Yesterday we saw an historic race. Uh, we didn't see a result like this uh, since uh, many, many years. Uh, I remember uh, Europe GP in uh, Nürburgring in 1999 <laughs> when uh, we had uh, two Stewart and one uh, Prost on the podium. <laughs> that's a, I, but it's, that's probably right, isn't it? Because... You know, normally, I think it's a, the number escapes me right now, but maybe more than 150 races since a Mercedes, a Red Bull or a Ferrari didn't win yeah. a Grand Prix. That's how dominant these teams have become over the last couple of years. And to get a, a, a win like this, sort of fitting as well that it was Alpha Tauri, who used to be Toro Rosso, used to be Minardi, <laughs> to win a home race. I mean, 2008, it was 12 years ago that Toro Rosso did that with Sebastian Vettel, of course. So I feel like at least, you know, Ferrari obviously had a bad weekend, but there was something in it for the Italian aspect. <laughs> yeah, at least we can say that uh, we heard the Italian... Uh... He know, <laughs> an Italian team won in Italy, so it's not a problem if it's Alfa Tauri and not Ferrari. We don't take a look at this little particular. <laughs> Probably for the best, I think, uh, considering the way this season has been going. Look, it was a really interesting result, of course. We're going to take it step by step, but let's start at the very beginning of the weekend, because before we even realized we might be on for for quite an interesting podium. This race was going to be about these rules about qualifying modes and engine modes. That was really the context of this Grand Prix. Qualifying modes have been banned now. Engine modes have to be the same from qualifying and the race. And I thought it was really interesting how confident Mercedes was going into this race. They were even trash-talking everyone else a little bit about how it wasn't going to affect them. And I suppose the result in qualifying showed that if anyone hoped... Mercedes was going to be slower because of these rules that they were going to be wrong. Yeah, we, we can say that we saw the effect of these new rules, uh, rules especially uh, not in Mercedes, but in, uh, in Red Bull Honda. And mm. uh, maybe for Mercedes, the problem we can say is not in qualifying, but in race in the case, like yesterday, uh, that Mercedes was not in the front of the group, but uh, if they have to overtake in someone else, they have not the... Uh, uh, high top speed to do easily the overtaking. This was uh, an interesting aspect of this race because while qualifying, Mercedes locked out the front row here, first time since 2016, obviously qualified on pole or the front row by more than eight tenths of a second, almost a full second was pretty impressive. Like you say, we didn't 
get to see a lot of that in the race. And it, this was a, a good test race, A, for engine power, because Monza is all about power, but also the tyres here, the Pirelli C2, C3 and C4, they were all pretty good, so we didn't have any weird tyre situation really other than the pressures being very high. But the first part of this race was really defined by Valtteri Bottas's terrible start. A really bad start. If you wanted to win a championship, this is not the way to start the race. Drop down to sixth on the first lap. Now we know that passing is deceptively hard at Monza because while there are lots of good braking zones and we do see some on-track action, you know, once you get a couple of cars in DRS in slipstream mode, it kind of neutralizes all the advantages for each other. So you just get this big DRS train like we saw for a lot of the race for the midfield yesterday where passing is hard and overheating is common. But like you say, it was really shocking how much he struggled to recover there. Was it just, do you think, that they were running more downforce? Why was it, Why were they so slow in a straight line when they seemed so dominant in qualifying? Yeah, it's very strange, this. And um, <clears throat> we can so we in the onboard camera that uh, Mercedes reach uh, 330 kilometers per hour and then uh, the, the engine still stay there, no more speed. So uh, they don't have the last uh, push to finally to final, finalizing an overtake. And this could be an interesting thing, but to see, the, to see this, we have to, to have the Mercedes not uh, one-two in one-two position. So <laughs> it could be just uh, one case not the, the roof or the rest of the season. I think that's a good point as well because I feel like we've often seen in races where Mercedes hasn't been at the front, which is very unusual to begin with, so we don't see it that often. But when they've had to recover positions, it's not always been that easy for them. It's not a car that likes to be in traffic. And I do wonder, and I'd like to, to know your opinion on this, because... Mercedes seemed so confident going into this race that their engine was going to be great, that they were going to probably dominate the race. And then we discovered they had cooling problems in the race. Do you think they just did not expect to have to be racing other cars and were too aggressive with the cooling? And that actually meant that Valtteri Bottas, when he sunk down the order, couldn't make up places because his car was overheating so much. Yeah, for sure. I agree. Uh... They didn't expect to to have to follow other cars. So every time that we saw Mercedes um, following and uh, fighting in the middle of the group, they we saw that they have problems with cooling. So I think this is a, an unbeatable car, but especially when they are in the front. If uh, it's not in his natural ambient, uh, some problems uh, coming from Mercedes. And it was interesting because I feel like you know, occasionally on this show, we get to see a Mercedes little bit of weakness. Like when they didn't win in Silverstone, for example, maybe people got excited that maybe tyres would be a problem for them this year. But of course, they fixed that problem. And it's easy to get a little bit excited to think that maybe Mercedes does have cooling issues. It's been a problem for them in the past. And of course, it affected Bottas this weekend. But I think we also have to say that in this first part of the race, Lewis Hamilton, when he was on his own at the front, was very quick and arguably these rule changes if it slowed them down a little bit in qualifying maybe not even at all in qualifying it's made them a little bit faster in the race on average and uh, you know i think on a, in a clean race a more normal race that should be concerning for teams like red bull that might want to try and pinch wins from them sometimes yeah it seemed like these uh, and um 
maybe maybe yesterday could be a special race. So let's see what happened in the next Sunday, for example, in Mugello. That mm. is another uh, fast track. But probably with this new rule, we we won't see what uh, we expected to see. So <laughs> maybe it's some exciting this boring season for the <laughs> position uh, for the first position. So let's see. I think uh, the next race is going to be very interesting. You touched on Red Bull Racing and Honda a little bit earlier. They had a pretty terrible weekend, really, by their standards, especially considering they maybe thought they were going to be a bit closer because of these rule changes. Uh, they didn't score any points in the end. Max Verstappen retired with a with an engine problem, and Alex Albon was almost last, second last at the end. Uh, this, I mean... Typically, they are not that fast at Monza. We know engine speed isn't ordinarily, you know, a Red Bull strength. They're all about downforce and performance on slower circuits. But on the other hand, a Honda engine did win this race. Of course, a lot of things had to happen to enable Pierre Gasly to win this race. But clearly, there's some power there. Why do you think Red Bull Racing struggled so much to make an impact this weekend, considering they were a little bit optimistic that they would at least be racing for the podium? Yeah, for sure. It seemed that uh, they were... Too optimistic, and the ironic thing is that uh, Alpha Tauri Honda won the race. So it's not uh, only a thing about the um, power unit side because uh, the power unit, uh, the Honda power unit, is very is very good even after this new rule. And uh, yeah, probably Red Bull made some mistakes uh, in preparing the the race. We we, we can say anymore because uh, it wasn't expected. This this poor prestation in, in Monza. So uh, it's a pity because uh, Max Verstappen uh, yesterday could uh, recover some points for the World Championship fight and uh, they lost this uh, this chance. In, in, at the end, uh, Hamilton and Mercedes uh, gained other points in the World Championship standings. It is always the way, isn't it? When Lewis Hamilton has a bad race, he still manages to extend the championship. I remember in Germany last year, yeah. <laughs> he had a terrible race and still ended up growing his advantage. Exactly. So you can never discount him, never count him out. It's just the way it is with Lewis, I think, if anyone still thought anyone else could win the championship this year. But hey, we got a good race, doesn't matter. Uh, the first part of this race, though, was pretty straightforward, wasn't it? Nothing too unusual was happening in this first part of the race. Valtteri Bottas had that terrible start, I suppose, but Lewis Hamilton was in control at the front of the race. Carlos Sainz and McLaren, a very comfortable second. We'll talk about them a little bit later, though, because what we didn't realize at the time was that the race-winning move was happening near the back of the pack. It was an unusually early pit stop, lap 19 for Pierre Gasly. He was racing with Kimi Räikkönen at the time, out of the points, or just at the bottom of the points, rather, uh, going for the undercut. Lap 19, he made his stop for the hard tyre, but lap 20, the first big moment of this race happened. Uh, it was a safety guard for Kevin Magnussen. And look, Ferrari didn't play much of a role in this race, did they? Except Kevin Magnussen's Ferrari failure actually turned this whole race around. Yeah, it's another ironic thing of the Italian GP of this year. Ferrari played a key role, <laughs> but but not in the in the way that uh, we hope. <laughs> <laughs> it's it is ironic, isn't it? Because not only did this uh, you know change the race in the sense that we had a safety car, but 
it closed the pit lane, which I can't remember the last time I saw happen in Formula One for a reason like this, because Magnussen stopped near the entry of the pit lane and they pushed him back towards the Haas garage rather than take him off the track like they would anywhere else or in any other part of the track, I should say. Interesting, though, that everyone realized, except for two drivers, that the pit lane had been closed and one of them was Lewis Hamilton. So ironically, maybe Ferrari made Lewis Hamilton lose this race. It's surprising, though, isn't it? Because we're not used to seeing Mercedes make mistakes like this, but this was a pretty obvious one, I suppose. Yeah, it's strange, but um, as we've seen in the TV, on the TV, uh, from the the side of the driver, I think it wasn't so clear that the plane was closed. So I think it's more a mistake by the Mercedes um, engineer. And maybe this is the first and the last time that Ferrari steal a victory to Lewis Hamilton. (laughs) (laughs) First and last time they've helped him out, I think. Uh, He should be thanking them after this race. Uh, You're sort of right to say there, it was hard to tell. And also, it's so rare that the pit lane is closed. Probably no one is looking for it. Mercedes said after the race that the message from race control is on a different page of all the information they get. And they don't normally look at it when they're making a pit stop. They didn't expect it. Someone at Brackley noticed it, but by the time they called it out of a team radio, it was too late. Lewis Hamilton was already in the pit lane. I guess when you're the leader, you're the first one who has to make the decision. So sometimes that's going to happen. It ended up costing him a 10-second stop-go penalty, which is pretty much the biggest penalty you can get uh, in Formula 1 because of that. But this is where all the luck for Pierre Gasly started to turn around because... Normally, if you've just made a pit stop and then the safety car comes out, it's pretty bad luck. But the fact that no one was allowed to stop for a couple of laps actually meant that he went up from 16th or towards the back of the field all the way up into third place behind that safety car. He was on the hard tyre. It seemed like things were really going to pay off for him. Do you think even from there, I mean, potentially he could have won the race from that point, couldn't he? Because... That car was pretty quick in a straight line, the Alpha Tauri. Yeah, yeah, I think that uh, also without the second, uh, also without the red flag, uh, Pierre uh, could have a good chance to to win the race. So yeah, the key moment for for Pierre was the first pit stop, his first pit stop. In, it's not the same, for example, for Stroll. For Stroll, the, the key moment was the the red flag. So yeah, then Alpha Tauri and Gasly. Um, has been lucky, but has been also clever to do that uh, pit stop. And be, yeah, been, been lucky for the for the first mm, safety car, but this strategy was not bad because uh, the car was uh, fast on the straights and, and uh, it has a good rhythm. So a little bit help, but uh, also a lot of uh, <laughs> good um, good race for for the for the team for the drive from the team from the driver. It's a good point you raised there as well because there were two different strategies at play at the front. There was Gasly who stopped earlier and then was in the right position, but Stroll didn't stop at all uh, until the red flag gave him the chance to change his tyres. Racing Point last week in Belgium didn't maximise their results. They have a car that should have been quick there and it wasn't. They struggled a little bit in practice here at Monza. They got it right by the time qualifying came around, which was good, but... It's hard to guess what they were playing at by not stopping Stroll before the red flag. In, do you think there would have been anything on the table for Stroll without that red flag? Because it, it, they sort of look very clever in retrospect, don't they? It's like they got it exactly right. But 
had the race not been suspended, this probably would have been another disappointing race for Racing Point. Yeah, I agree. I, I think that uh, Lauren Storm maybe has bog, uh, a red flag for the song <laughs> <laughs> to give him this chance to, to, to win the race because uh, with that choice, uh, I think that they couldn't even reach the, the top 10 without the red flag. So they've been very, very lucky. Only on the side of Lance, because uh, Perez, uh, at the, on the other side, uh, lost a lot of position just for the safety car and the red flag. Yeah, that's exactly right, because this middle part of the race is where things really started to change. So the first safety car, there was a bit of a shuffling of the order between those who had stopped before the safety car and those who stopped after the pit lane opened. Then we had a, a little bit of a resumption, one lap, and then Ferrari again played an important role. Charles Leclerc had a big crash at the last corner that meant we had to have this red flag to repair the barriers. Uh, let's take a moment to just talk about Ferrari very briefly because they were hardly in this race, so we can't talk about them too much. Yeah. But this was a worse race than Belgium, I think it's fair to say, not just because it was the Italian Grand Prix, but they qualified lower. The race was a disaster. It was strange to see Leclerc crash like that. I mean, he's not a driver that's normally prone to big crashes. Is that just a sign of how difficult that car is to drive at the moment? Is it is is it a sign that he doesn't have a lot of confidence in that car, do you think, and he's trying to get too much out of it? What do we read from Ferrari's weekend in Monza? Yeah, for sure. We we saw during all the weekend, and not only this weekend, that the drivers uh, made a lot of mistakes because uh, the car has too many problems. They have no confidence. They have no no feeling with this car. So, unfortunately, it's not a surprise that uh, Charles made that mistake because uh, he was uh, searching to extract the, the best from uh, this car. But uh, and this is what happened when you try to, to go over the limit of the, the car. And, uh, yeah, I can say that uh, this is not a surprise of the result of Ferrari in the last two weekends because uh, we know that... Uh, with this car, with, especially with this power unit, these two races uh, were the, the worst for Ferrari, for sure. And it was uh, his own race, uh, but uh, the characteristic of the track was the, the worst for this car. So it's not a surprise. Uh, and uh, now we hope that uh, on different track, we can uh, see again some uh, good result, like, for example, in Silverstone. This is the hope for the Ferrari Tifosi. Just briefly, another question on Ferrari, because the next race, another race in Italy, the Ferrari 1000th race at Mugello, that's a very fast circuit as well, but also requires a good amount of downforce, a lot of high-speed corners. I mean, they, they did all right at Silverstone, like you said. They got a bit of a, a result there, although the second Silverstone, everyone passed them a little bit. Everyone sort of figured out the, the downforce settings, I think. What do you think is in store for Ferrari at the next race? Because, I mean, I know this is only one incident at one corner for Charles Leclerc going off at Parabolica, but that is a fast corner. It seemed like the car was unstable through that corner. Do you think it's going to be another difficult race for them this weekend? Uh, yeah, for sure. Maybe not so difficult like uh, Spa and Monza, but um, we have to see. I don't know. Maybe... It could be a little bit better, maybe also because uh, other cars like uh, <clears throat> Renault and Alfa Tauri could be a little bit mm. less faster. So maybe we we will see Ferrari come back in the top 10, but I don't think uh, we will see a result like Silverstone. 
maybe just uh, like uh, Barcelona something like this we'll have to wait and see i mean hopefully some points to celebrate yeah. the 1000th race but even some points i think will probably be a little bit disappointing in the context but we'll have to wait and see but a difficult season for ferrari obviously so leclerc's crash caused this red flag which caused a bit of a reset really what we had was two races in monza the first half then the red flag and a second half. Two sprint races, no tyre changes really required. But this red flag did allow a couple of things to happen. One was Gasly switched from the hard to the medium tyre, which was faster and just made it to the end of the race. It also meant that Stroll could make that only tyre change he made from those soft tyres to the medium tyres. It essentially did not have to make a pit stop. Stroll was also second at this point behind Lewis Hamilton and we knew Hamilton had to serve a penalty. So Stroll was effectively the race leader. He said after the race that he felt like a race win got away from him here. We saw that that car was very fast in the straight line with Sergio Perez in the first part of the race. Should Lance Stroll have won this race rather than Pierre Gasly? Yeah, I think that uh, Stroll uh, has uh, thrown away uh, a victory in Monza. He was in the perfect situation for winning this, uh, the race, but uh, maybe for the pressure. Mm. I don't know. He made uh, a bad restart, a bad uh, first lap, and uh, he lose the positions that at the end uh, cost him the victory. But we can say that Gasly and Steins, mm. they were more um, deserved this victory. Mm -hmm more than Stroll, so I think at the end it was right that <laughs> uh, Stroll didn't win this race. Yeah, Stroll put it down to having cold tyres, which, I mean, everyone, I suppose, maybe poor preparation on his part, but everyone had the same situation because almost everyone was on the same medium tyres. Maybe it's something from starting from second at Monza because obviously Bottas also had a terrible <laughs> start. Maybe it's something to do with that grid spot. Who knows? But it meant Gasly passed Stroll, was tucked in behind Hamilton. Hamilton took his penalty. Gasly into the lead. Sainz, though, had a little bit of ground to make up. He felt unhappy. Of course, he was running second in the first bit of the race and then had dropped to six because of that first safety car. Maybe what undid his race, because obviously it was only half a second at the flag. He almost caught Gasly. Maybe one more lap is all he needed. But something that undid his race potentially was getting stuck behind Kimi Raikkonen in the Alfa Romeo. And this was an interesting choice by Alfa Romeo because Raikkonen started the second half of this race on the soft tyre. meant he got a good start uh, and also meant he was a little bit difficult to pass out of the chicanes. But it, was, it didn't work for Raikkonen in the long term. He, he stuck down the order. But do you think that maybe had that been a bit different, science could have ultimately won this race had he not been stuck behind Raikkonen because of the tyres? Yeah, for sure. Uh, I think that Sainz has been very unlucky, first of all, for the safety car. And second, because um, Alfa Romeo uh, had not more uh, medium tyres, new medium tyres. So their choice to use the soft tyres was uh, um, the, the only choice that we have at the point of the race. And this makes uh, Raikkonen a little bit more faster in the first lap after the, the restart. Uh, and so Sainz uh, lost just that second that at the end was uh, the key for the victory of Gasly because um, Sainz uh, at the end has made the, the overtake on Kimi in, in, in few laps. So he has been very good in his recovery. But as we saw at the end, uh, it was just a, a matter of a second. 
With one more lap, I think that Carlos uh, won the race yesterday. It seemed very close, especially towards right towards the end of the stint. Sainz seemed very fast, and Gasly said he had very few tyres left. It was all just about getting the exit from the chicanes right. I thought it was really great to see the way Carlos was throwing the car through those chicanes. You could really see it moving around because... They were right at the end of what was a very long stint on these tyres, so they were really pushing the tyres quite far as well. But Gasly did just enough to make sure he could win this race from Carlos Sainz, and Lance Stroll completed the podium. The soft tyre gamble was interesting. As you said, Raikkonen didn't really have a choice. He didn't have any other new tyres. Esteban Ocon, though, was another driver, one of only two other drivers to use the soft tyre. Giovinazzi was the other one. He also didn't have another new set, but... Ocon wanted the medium tyre, and he had a set that was pretty much brand new. He'd, he'd switched to them before the red flag, and then they took them off the car. Interesting to hear that he was really unhappy with the team on Team Radio, wasn't he? Because he wanted those medium tyres, but the team hadn't warmed them up for the red flag. It seems like a pretty big mistake from the team, and it could have, in the end, meant that that's what let Hamilton pass him because he was on the wrong tyre. Yeah, for sure. Uh, at the end, uh, there was no choice. It wasn't the right one. But um, they had the two cars in the top 10 in the position behind the podium. So maybe they decided to try something different with the two drivers. And uh, yeah, at the end, uh, Ocon uh, lose some positions. Um, but I think that uh, it was right to, to take this risk and see what could happen for Renault. So by the team side, I think it's a, it was a good choice. Of course, at the end, Ocon uh, was unhappy, but uh, this is race. And I think that uh, he has to, to understand uh, his team in this case. Mm, it's a good point. I thought it was interesting how angry he sounded on the radio and the team told him to yeah. stop talking, <laughs> which was... It shows a bit of tension. I wonder how Fernando Alonso is going to go at that team if the team tells him to stop complaining on the radio. Yeah, and in the last race, we, we heard the French drivers uh, like Leclerc and Ocon yeah. <laughs> say a little bit more on the team radio. It's clearly a lot of... Uh... A lot of tension in certain parts of the field. Let's finally uh, finish this podcast talking briefly about Lewis Hamilton as well, because he did take that penalty. It dropped him to the very back of the grid after the restart, had a little bit less than half the race to try and make up as many positions as he could. He used the hard tyre because he was going to obviously drive very aggressively. Showed a lot of pace in the car, more pace than, than Bottas was showing. Incredible that he only lost three points in the championship to Bottas after this. But it does show that, you know, we saw Hamilton when he was out of the car. He seemed a bit worked up, a little bit stressed. He went to see the race director and the stewards to ask about that penalty. But it does show that, you know, he's got a really good mental focus in the car, doesn't it? The team gave him the strategy. They pretty much told him what the best way to recover positions were. You know, he was asking and they told him this is what they were going to do. There's no doubt with Hamilton, is there, that he can just do what is asked of him and get the maximum from the car. And this was actually quite a good result in the content. Yeah, I think that uh, yesterday in we saw the difference between a great champion like Lewis Hamilton and a good driver like Valtteri Bottas. Uh, Lewis uh, had a great recover and he has done everything in the perfect way. He extract the best from the race, from the second <laughs> race of Monza. And the result was the best. And uh, we saw him uh, not struggling so much like uh, Bottas in the overtaking. 
and uh, he had passed uh, a, a lot of fast cars because he passed uh, one Red Bull, we, we, he passed an Alfa Tauri, he passed a Renault, so a um, racing point, so it wasn't so easy. And uh, he made a, a great job, I think. He did a, an excellent job in a season that'll so- surely see him win a seventh world championship and surely before too long the 91st race victory equaling and then probably afterwards breaking Michael Schumacher's win record. So still, after one blip of a race, still a a very dominant season for Lewis Hamilton. A fascinating Italian Grand Prix at Monza, more than I think anyone could ever have expected or hoped for fairly. Uh, And it was a pleasure as always to talk about it with you, Luca. Thanks very much for joining me. Thank you, Michael. Ciao a tutti. Goodbye. That was Motorbox.com F1 reporter Luca Manacorda. The Strategy Report is powered by Apex Race Manager, the mobile race management simulator. Play it for free on iOS and Android devices. If you want more Strategy Report, you can get every episode by subscribing on Google and Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and on your favourite podcast app, plus all of your socials. And if you like what you've heard, we'd love it if you could give us a rating and a review to help other F1 fans find the show. My name's Michael Laminato. You can look me up on Twitter at Michael Laminato. The Strategy Report is a beer mogul podcast, and I'll be back next week for a review of the first Tuscan Grand Prix.